What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. This is Two Guys, Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasperi. This is Frank Pelican. You're listening to The Quick Cage. And Frank, which Nick Cage movie are you going to tell us about tonight? Uh, so tonight we're going to talk about 2017's Arsenal, uh, which is also apparently known as Southern Fury. But um, you find it on uh, Prime. It's, it's definitely listed as Arsenal. Um, it is the... Sorry, I, I just you, you know that you know that I always Google these things. Like as soon as you tell me what they are, and I typed uh-huh. in I typed in Arsenal 2017 in the Google, and the first link is 2017-2018 Arsenal FC season. Before you get to the actual 2017 movie, so this this seems like it's a winner um, already. Uh, well, it's definitely much less important than you know a premier soccer team. Um, in England, I'd actually probably rather watch that whole season than watch the movie again. Um, but you know, I want to get the cart ahead of the horse. So it's the sequel to Deadfall. Oh, um, the noir movie from the nineties. Yeah, I like Deadfall. Cage is playing the same character, um, but this takes place, I guess. 30 years, 25 years after Deadfall. Okay. Um, so it stars John Cusack along with Cage. Um, and then Adrian Grenier and Jonathan Sheck, I guess is how you say that. Shake. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like it should be Shake or whatever, but it's Shake or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a crime thriller. I guess. All right. So let's just talk about like the phases of this movie because I think it's important to understand when I try and explain how terrible it is. Um, I have this thing where probably about 50% of the movies on this list are movies I've never heard of before that I just find when I'm browsing through various streaming services trying to whatever, like, pick out what cage movie I'm going to watch for the week, so I was sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel, and then all of a sudden Arsenal pops up, and I'm like, oh, well, look, it's got John Cusack, and it's got Adrian Grenier, and I recognize those guys, and, you know, like, I've never heard of it, so maybe it's one of those direct-to-video things that's actually pretty good, like, we watched that, or I watched that um, Trust movie or whatever um, with him and, what's his name, the Hobbit, um, that was pretty good, right. you know? Yeah, like, right, you know, sure. Hmm. I, didn't think it was, I didn't know anything about it. And, like, I was really surprised. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll be surprised. And the first 15 minutes of this movie, which are a flashback um, to the childhoods of Grenier and Shake, um, is beautifully shot. The cinematography is great. It actually reminded me a lot of the movie Waves from 2019 that I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. 
like yeah. just the way that it was filmed. Um, it's basically about this that part of the movie about this teenage kid who takes care of his younger brother and they live with his alcoholic uncle. Um, the alcoholic uncle kills himself and the causes the teenage kid to fall in with um, Eddie, who's this low life gangster in the bayou, basically. It takes place in Louisiana. Maybe it takes place in, it takes place somewhere down Um because he witnesses Eddie murder a man, basically, who had like owed him money. And that eventually gets him to fall in with his gang. And at a young age, he becomes a runner for him. Um, so flash forward 25 years, uh, the younger kid brother is a successful real estate um, developer slash owns a construction company. Um, the older brother who had fallen in with the gangsters is fresh out of jail has basically had legal troubles his whole life. Um, and then the movie just, like, turns into shit. It's just terrible. Um, the basic premise is the older brother borrows $10,000 from the younger brother. The younger brother is Grenier. Older brother is, is Shink. Um, ostensibly to get braces for his teenage daughter. Um, but uses the money to buy like a kilo of coke that he's going to flip and turn into more money so he can afford to pay for some things mm -hmm. and not have to borrow money from his brother. Um, but of course it goes wrong and they, someone steals the coke from him and then he runs afoul of the gangster. And so in order to get money, Nicolas Cage, who is wearing one of the worst nose prosthetics I've ever seen in my life to give him like this bulbous like pockmarked, you know, gin blossom nose and a fucking Sonny Bono wig um, concocts this scheme with Shake that they're going to pretend to kidnap him to extort money from the brother so then he can have money and pay off the debt for the drugs and also have money for himself. I don't know. Anyway. Um... Dude, it's just bad. Like, the dialogue's real bad. The acting is real bad. Nick Cage is real bad in this movie. Like, what, makes him, what, makes him, what makes him so bad? Unhinged, over-the-top, like, trying to be psychotic, but just coming off as weird and screechy. Like, it's hard to explain how high-pitched his delivery is on things and how like at some points he has a level of menace to him and you're kind of like, all right, like this is sort of an interesting character, but then they don't really develop enough, develop him enough. He's just kind of a bad guy just because he's a bad guy. And then the director is in it playing Nicolas Cage's brother who Nicolas Cage kills. I don't know. Like, which is Chris Coppola, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. who directed uh, Deadpool, Deadpool. Right. right? Um, I don't know, man. There's slow motion where there doesn't need to be slow motion, and that way is, too much that, that is annoying. Slow mo but, when there doesn't need to be slow mo is maybe one of the, like something that's really started to bother me recently. The first time that there was slow motion, I. I kind of cringed a little bit because at that point I still hadn't completely written off the movie. 
but I wasn't super into the movies either. But like the slow mo happened, and I said, okay, like I'll I'll give it to you because the way it was filmed kind of made sense. But then like the sixth or seventh time it happened, it was just so tiresome and like because they introduce a plot twist element into this movie and I was watching this with my son and I turned to him and I said how much fucking time can there be left in this movie to have this happen like this thing needs to end mm-hmm. and so I hit my um, I was watching on my uh, PlayStation so I hit the controller <clears throat> so the little um progress bar would pop up and there was like 12 minutes left. And I said, the fuck? Like, how is this happening like this close to the end of this movie? And the plot twist is that they kidnap his teenage daughter. So his teenage daughter is fucking this teenage boy, young black kid who smokes crack and abuses her. Oh, okay. But then Is this the only is this the only black character in the film? Oh, is that true? There are no black characters of any import in the Okay. Movie. This is the most important black character, the the yeah, abu- but he's abusive not, crackhead. He's really only introduced uh just to be like a plot device. And I think that makes it worse, but go ahead. They talk about him several times, but they just say her like the, the girl's mother, who is a stripper and an ex crackhead, hmm. says um I might be, I might be, um, getting on her character a little too much. I don't know if she's next crackhead. I think that's just implied. Um, keeps talking about how the daughter is hanging out with these scuzzy, like, crack dealers or something. Mm-hmm. So when you meet him, he's obviously, like, you know, a young black kid because that's just what, like, they got to, got to take the audience and play on their worst fucking um, fears and stereotypes just to make it more meaningful because they can't like build good characters or a reasonable plot anyway so basically like the first time you see this guy he's trying to force her to smoke up before she leaves and she doesn't want to because she just wants to leave and then he's like bitch you better smoke this shit and she's like no I'm going and she goes to walk out the door and he hits her. And then all of a sudden, Adrian Grenier is there because he was looking for her anyway. Because at this point, the um, Jonathan Shake has been kidnapped. And he's trying to find out, like, who's kidnapped his brother. And he just walks in and, like, starts beating the shit out of the black kid. So that sets that up. So then later, you can see the kid sitting at a bar which is the bar that's coincidentally owned by Nicolas Cage. And they're like, I got a job for you. And the job is to kidnap the girl. And that's what he does. Mm. And then that's it. And then the girl is only kidnapped to provide some level of uh, tension, maybe like additional tension to the end of um the end of the movie where Adrian Grenier, who has never exhibited any level of malice or strength or intestinal fortitude up to this point, 
becomes the super badass to go and rescue his brother from this gang. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just yeah. no consistency of character or motivation or um, yeah, sense. It's, like, look, it's it's 90, maybe 92 minutes or something. Now. It's, it's in the 90s somewhere. Right. And this movie feels like it's two hours long. Like, I seriously had no idea when it was going to end. And I just didn't care, like, about anything. And it was so sad because, like, I seriously, like, there was, it was, it was minutes. And I was like, man, like, people must have just shit on this movie because of the time it came out. And the fact that Nicolas Cage was kind of, like, putting out a bunch of bad shit. And so people just automatically assumed it was bad. But nah, man, those critics are right. Like, this movie's trash. Yeah. Big old trash. Yeah. Cage is really bad in it. Kuzak is fine, but he just really doesn't have a personality. He's almost kind of like the Greek chorus of the movie. Hmm. Um, he plays this cop that's been friends with the, the brothers like for the most of their lives, like sort of almost like a guardian angel to him. Um, so he's trying to help uh, Grenier find um, Shake yeah. throughout the movie. Like after the fake kidnapping happens, which really that that's like forty minutes into the movie too. It takes forever to get to. Um, but you know he's trying to help him find it, so find him. But it's really just him kind of like because he's a detective and he does a lot of undercover work, so he can't really be seen by anybody and can't really come out in the the open and just say, "Hey, like I'm." whatever like helping this guy right um so unfortunately like again he just sort of is like his conscience almost or whatever or maybe his anti-conscience because he's really trying to tell him to go and do these terrible things like to kill this eddie guy so so yeah so it's um it's pretty bad frank texted me last night while he was watching this this fucking quick cage movie is making me sick <laughs> it really was that that was that was when the the slow-mo was out of control <laughs> like they do a thing that reminds me of remember after the matrix came out like there was a bunch of music videos and they would do it in like comedies a lot where they would do the almost the bullet time effect Yes. Where they would have someone jump up in the air and freeze them in place and then like kind of move around them. Mm-hmm. This movie sort of does that, except they don't really have any like money for the special effects. So it's, I think it's really just done through editing and like camera tricks. Right. Um, which, which should be pretty cool, but it's not like, and it's so disorienting sometimes. And for no reason. And then the soundtrack's just like thump, 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 thump. I, I just, <laughs> like I swear to God, I was sitting here. I I'd, I'd had one beer, which what I never drink mm-hmm. during the week at all. But you know, I was off today, so I had one beer, and I just I don't know, man. I wanted to go to bed. Like I almost just turned it off and went to sleep. But I really wanted to see how bad it could get. Like I had to finish it just to see how awful it was. And the answer was worse than I thought it was going to be. So let's talk about a couple of things here. Um, this director, right? Yeah. Full Sail University grad. <clears throat> um, 
who has made seems like a few indie films and then kind of has taken on this video on demand direct to video like type career uh largely um have you seen the silent night deadly night remake that he did called silent night i don't like no from like eight years ago okay so you probably haven't seen anything else of his then um that would be the only one i could imagine that you would have seen i would have no reason to watch the silent night deadly night remake i will say that okay um so the only interesting thing is the same the year before he makes this he makes a movie called marauders um that also stars adrian grenier so like must be um something but this marauders movie is a crime film that stars Christopher Maloney, Dave Bautista, and Bruce Willis and Adrian Grenier. Um, some kind of bank robbery um, movie, um, but with white collar crime included in it, it looks like. Um, that's like the only movie it looks like that has like an actual release in a theater at one point. Like I've seen Tom and Tom Transfusion. What? He directed that. Have you seen that? Uh-huh. It oh, was okay. one of the, it's, it's one of those things that, um, Oh, fuck. Do you remember Walmart had them exclusively, I think? It was Dimension Extreme Videos? Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. yeah, it was one of them. Oh, okay. I actually, um, not a great movie or whatever, but I, I thought it was fine. Okay. All right. I gotta watch this silently. What are you talking about, Marauders? What the fuck? Hmm. I recognize uh, the cover. I'm saying it's the only one that is actually released um, in a theater that he's done, it seems like. Everything else seems like, it seems like that's largely his career is like indie stuff and kind of like this almost like direct-to-video. Um, um, well, I guess Silent I was kind of a limited theatrical release, but like most of them are like, you know video on demand and stuff like that um but that was like his big release it seems was like a year before this and then he kind of returns to like the same old thing um he still like it's a million dollar gross on that movie yeah um, look, look up that automaton transfusion as soon as you see the box art you'll you'll recognize it yeah i already looked it up i don't recognize it um really? no. dude that thing was sitting in walmart in the horror section, like in the the bargain area, uh-huh. like you could find that for I, I swear to God, like like ten years, it was in the same spot. Like no one ever bought it, and uh, seriously, it's not bad mm. like, for what it is. It's fine. But yeah, he seems like he has like he's done three movies with Bruce Willis as Bruce Will. Oh my God, that's almost me. Seriously, like I don't want to, I don't, I want to put that idea into your head, possibly. But Willis actually has a very similar career trajectory. In maybe a not so entertaining way, um, Listen, as Nick Cage, you, like you ain't got you, you to worry. <laughs> like once this experiment is over, this experiment is over. Yeah, we're not going to do anything midweek. I mean, we might find something to do midweek, like a like like quick takes or something like that, mm-hmm. instead of the quick cage. Because there there's there's been a couple things where I thought like. This is never going to make a list, and I don't want to wait till a fresh five. But like, I really like this movie. Then I forget about it. You know what I mean? I think there's a bunch of ideas, but uh, like, yeah, um, sure. Yeah. Like, like something like that, like the fucking uh, in search of the wilder people or whatever the fuck that movie was called. Mm-hmm. 
Love that movie. I would have loved to have talked about it for you know twenty minutes. Yeah, I, I th- look. I think there's a, a handful of opportunities. I think there's always my idea of making you watch all the WWE produced movies, which I think is a fantastic idea. But um, but regardless of that idea, I um, I think there's the idea of like yeah, like you know, almost like a fresh five type thing. But it's like, hey, here's a movie that I want to like you know give a little bit of like you know uh, shine to. I think there's that idea. I think there's um now that since i've been doing this like a little bit like i think there's the opportunity for like a second watch type thing um that could be done like where it's like you watch a movie that you haven't seen in a long time um like i think there's um other like genre type stuff that you might be able to do like i I think there's all kinds of things um i only mentioned that probably because i'm like so waiting for the quick cage to be complete which you were saying last night that <laughs> you don't think you have that much left to go. <laughs> and the thing is, is we have so much left to go so much. Right. Like I find something like Arsenal and I just, I realize like literally right. how much it really is. I pull up this bastard's filmography every single week on my computer, like every single week. And you tried to pull that bullshit on me last night. Like, I don't, there, there's not that can, much left. Can you let me just, just let me have something once in a while? You know, like, I don't, I can lie to myself on occasion and it's fine. Now, you know, like, granted, you have a ton of movies that, like, can all be kind of like compiled into like one episode, like, you know, or like a few episodes. I will give you that. But it's like, dude, you got Amos and Andrew still. And Deadfall, if you want to complete 1993. Yeah, two Honeymoon. movies left. Complete 93. Honeymoon in Vegas. Honeymoon in Vegas. Like, uh, I bet you you're not even done like that. Oh, no, that's only that's the only movie you made in 1992. But it's like, it's like you did Wild at Heart. You haven't done Firebird yet. Like... And he's he's starring that. Like you don't even have 1990 complete. Like we did Snake Eyes, right? Yeah. We haven't done City of Angels though. It's in 98. So I almost watched City of Angels the other day, but City of Angels is like two hours and 15 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And as I was sitting there getting ready to hit play, I was thinking to myself, two hours and 15 minutes will make it 10:30 before you're done this fucking movie. Uh huh. Uh huh. And what, like, what will you have gained? Look, I'm trying to think here. Okay, so you got 1990 done, 1999 done. All right, you do not have 98. You got 97 done because that was Conning and Face Off. You got 96 because it was only The Rock. 95, Leave Las Vegas and Kiss of Death, not complete. 94, you got Trapped in Paradise, but not Garden Test, and it could happen to you. We are so far away from being done, and that's not even counting the fucking whirlwind last decade of this man's VOD career. <laughs> no, I got to go back to work tomorrow. Right? <laughs> what is the runner? We haven't done the runner yet, have we? That is a... No, no, no. It's on my watch list. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's a political drama. You know, those are my favorite movies. <laughs> you should watch No Way Out. Feel like I'm so much. 
I actually watched what it wasn't a good movie, but I watched what I thought was a really interesting movie yesterday. And like, I was sitting there watching this movie, and it was a movie I didn't know anything about, and I just randomly found it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is what I want to do with my time. Because right. I was trying to come down off of Arsenal mm-hmm. somehow, or like mm-hmm. come up from Arsenal. I don't yeah. know. I was trying to get away from it. Right. No, I am going, like, as fun some, you know what, here's the thing. And this is turning into a very meta-like conversation about this, you know, um, fake podcast, to use your language, um, if you've used before, but this supplementary podcast. Like, I'm going to be honest, like, the bad Nick Cage movies were fun in the beginning. And now it just leaves me cold and kind of depressed. Buddy, you ain't even watched them. Right. I get it. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> And the, the funny thing is, is like, sometimes the bad, the bad ones still provide you with something. Like they give you a really great Nick Cage performance or there's somebody else that's kind of a breakthrough in it or, mm-hmm. you know, it falls down in certain ways, but it looks really nice. And it's like, there's just, there's four or five of them and I don't know which ones they are, but they're there. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's like between worlds is this crazy fucked up movie. That's really not great. No, ter- terrible movie, but it's funny. Right. Right. He's funny in right. it. It's sure. a really funny premise. I mean, there's right. it's, it's it's fine, you know. And, right, right. But it's like Looking Glass, man. Looking Glass just made me so tired. And it was like, right. oh, fucking um, the dude from Buffy and Cage, and oh, this movie's gonna be a rip roaring good time. So this is fucking, this is well, it's four years ago now, I guess. But it's like you it, almost it's exactly exactly, four, it's exactly four years ago, yeah um uh so i was just looking at you know and it's like variety like the guy that writes variety says that um he he does mention the the putty nose and the bad wig and all that shit and how ridiculous it looks but he says um he he says that uh his over-the-top shtick is perilously nearing the end of its shelf life and what i find interesting about that statement though is that like isn't this now the transition is now he's he's not wrong like the unironic the non-meta is probably right around this time 1718 nearing the end of its shelf life and now it's on purpose right it's like cage is picking these movies to some degree like the new one that's coming out what willie's wonderland or something like that um the the ridiculous one that you reviewed jujitsu um it's like he knows now it's like now it's a conscious decision to be in these bad movies i i'm curious if it might be that he has gotten over the hump with like the money that he owes to whoever he owes money to and now he can be more i don't want to say selective because i think he still is just kind of like taking what comes his way, but I think that he can certainly, like, not have to take everything. And so maybe he's picking things that he feels like would be more interesting or feels like would be, you know, like something that he could invest himself in. And I think that helps 
Um, well, what I'm what I'm pondering here is is this the like almost like the reconstruction era of Cage, where it's like he's made almost of a joke for himself for ten years. Now he's consciously taking things that get him notoriety or relies on the nature of him being over the top in order to eventually, in another year or two, pull that move where he does this movie, like a real movie, that gets him in like an Oscar nomination and like get back into like, like you said, maybe the the deaths are paid and it's like he needs to figure out a way to get back in. So it's like go meta with it kind of make fun of the idea of how over the top he is and all of these like, you know, like bad movies from the past decade. And then kind of like try to get back into to some degree more legitimate starring roles and things. Or maybe just it's giving him the ability to be considered for those legitimate starring roles. Right. Sure. Like from sure. the other direction that people are actually saying now, like, hey, you know, we can kind of rein this dude in or he'll, you know, yeah, he'll put a certain effort into mm-hmm. what we need him to do. It'll start with a big comedy first, like a, like a high budget, like kind of like comedy of some degree. And that, that's the thing he needs to land next. If this is what he's trying to do. And then the indie drama, almost like kind of like a leaving Las Vegas type thing. Um, or adaptation because he's going sure, to- sure, 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 right. I don't know, man, but I don't ever want to watch this movie again. All right, and so give me the scores. I mean, it's like a four for his performance. His performance is real bad, yeah. And the movie's a two, maybe Oof, it's, that's it's, bad. It's, that, it's I bad. think that it might honestly be the lowest score you ever get in a movie on here. Yeah, you, you, I don't think you've won as low as two before. I don't know if I've hated any one of his movies as much as I've hated this one. And I think a lot of it is because of the bait and switch of the beginning, like Mm. where I really felt like I was getting something like special, like a secret surprise, you know, whatever, like low budget gem. And then all of a sudden it just like was like, I don't know, like you're looking up to heaven waiting for like the first snowflakes and like, a whole flock of fucking Canadian geese just like shits on your face. You know what I mean, like that's 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 my analogy. That's okay. All right, so let's get off just for a couple minutes before we end um, <clears throat> off a quick cage. Um, right in the most objective way that you can, Biden's. The speech writing of Biden's inauguration speech for me and the delivery of that speech. I think it's a 10 and a 10. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that he doesn't have I don't know, like that just unnameable thing that Obama had. Right. Sure. But on point with the message, like from start to finish, I thought that it had the perfect blend of forgiveness and tough, you know, like and not willing to just kind of like brush over the events of the past four years. You know, like we're going to try and work together, but we're also going to go after these things and being very specific to name things like white supremacy and white nationalism and 
um, I thought it was really well delivered from the standpoint of of making you feel like hopeful and still making you feel letting you know that there's so much work to be done but making you hopeful that that work can succeed yeah i think the i I think also i agree with that and to add just add on that quickly is like i also think it there was like a feeling that acknowledged the weight of the reason oh yeah yeah i agree Look, if if forced one of my least favorite people in the world, Mitch McConnell, to give what I thought was probably his best speech in years today, mm-hmm. like it forced him into a position where he had to basically say nice things and right and be a decent person. <laughs> right. I mean, it's. I think it's pretty impressive if you can push that man into into that position so i don't sure. know i also felt like he delivered it well like i don't feel like he seemed i i felt at times during his debates and you know when i would watch him speak pre-election that he was clipped or he was pushing too hard or he was kind of just saying a thing that he was told that he was supposed to say mm-hmm. not to say that i don't believe that joe biden believes what he's saying but i also felt like sometimes it was more of a muddled message just based on what they thought people wanted to hear. Yeah. But like this felt heartfelt and yeah. sincere and it had gravity and it had yeah. humanity. And I don't know. I just like, yeah, I, I, I look, I think Joe Biden is a true believer who can easily be swayed by people talking in his ear um, about what he should be doing or how he should be acting and all these other kind of things. And I think that's what tripped him up on the campaign trail. Like, in, well, not the campaign trail, the, the primaries like you know and the debates and all those kind of things i truly believe that man's a true believer um in the things that he does believe in it's just getting to what does he really believe in and i think today you saw a lot of that like i agree with that i mean i don't know like i thought the speech writing was pretty good though like i mean it I, i think that there was just enough alliteration that made it lyrical at times um without going too far into the alliteration some of it reminded me of almost like kennedy-esque speeches at times like the pierre salinger type speeches um with like uh kind of its framing and stuff like that like um uh yeah like uh, with parallelism and you know grace and like all these other kind of like writing elements i i I thought it was really well written i thought it was you know uh Extremely well written, very well delivered. Um, overall, I just wanted to get your take on it. Like, yeah, I just I, I don't know if if I just feel this way because, and I texted this to a couple of our friends today. Like today was the first time that I felt any real relief mm-hmm. or like like a release of pressure. Yeah, inside my head in at least like three or four months and maybe like four years where I finally feel like I'm not super on edge and that I can, I don't know, sort of like look to the future. Somewhere. Sure. It's like, you know, it's like with Obama, it's like, I certainly didn't agree with everything Obama did. You're never going to with any leader, you know, I mean, but I could lay down at night and not 
have any kind of thought about like I trust Obama to take the advice that was given to him by multiple people and be an inclusive leader that listen to people, listen to ideas, listen to the thoughts, and like you know end up you know analyzing those things, internalizing them, and coming out with a decision. Um, I did not feel that way for the past four years, and while I might have some slight misgivings that might be ageist and might not be um, about like, you know, some of the mental capacities and the age factor. I think we have somebody like that to a large degree in office again. And um, I mean, I can sleep a little easier. Yes. With that. Um, but I do want to say everything I saw up before all of that with the other old white men talking and listening to them speak, I will say that the retort, I found the poet laureate and her delivery much more of a the rhetorical style. And because it sounded, at least the first half of it, sounded to me like a political speech as opposed to a poem. Um, she really got into it, like, you know, with like infusing, like, kind of like the slam poetry elements, I think, in the second half of, the, of that poem. Um, but I preferred that kind of um, rhetoric and delivery of that rhetoric much better. It feels like to me, and it could just be me being cynical, it feels like the rhetoric of the past, it's almost like Obama got to a point where he perfected a lot of those elements. And then we got Trump, which was just like, you know, like, um, what, what do they call that? Like combo breaker. Um, and, and now that retort is dead. Like that style, like the old way. And it feels like we need to move on to something else. Um, and, and, and her poem to me was much closer to what we need to move into in terms of like the delivery of rhetoric and rhetoric in this country, because I think everything else like feels like half dead. And it's almost like Biden just like pulled elements from Clinton and Kennedy. And I would say even like Reagan speeches sometimes like, and almost like kind of, brought them all together and it's like that should be the end of that style of rhetoric forever because we can't go backwards now like because everything that was backwards led to Trump um, and it feels like we need to find a new way of talking like politicians need to find a new way of talking um, and I think we have that like in some people out there but that was the main thing that I took away from it is that as moved as I was by Biden's speech it felt like it was the ending of something in terms of the speech itself while it's the beginning of something hopefully um, good for this country and um, its people. But well, I hope so. Yes. All right. So and I think the, we're going to have um, I think we're going to have a barn burner of a Kate, quick cage next week. So yeah. I've been flipping through while we've been talking putting shit on my list and i think i've decided what i'm going to watch tomorrow night oh nice so you, right so biden's uh, the biden election has inspired you to reinvest in the quick cage this early a week ahead of time no i just i just need to get through some shit like 
there's movies I don't want to watch and I just need to watch them. So oh, uh, what's your back catalog? You say nine movies? Like you got well, nine deep? Yeah, nine deep. Right. But and a couple of those I don't want to talk about. Right. Holding on to some things, you know. Yeah. yeah. You ain't never going to hear about Captain Corelli's mandolin. It's going to be the last one. We already decided. There will never be a last one. Oh, there will be a last one. We're going to catch four, up, man. Four to six times a year, we're going to have to come back and do an honorary quick cage. I know. I know. And I um, I don't know how I'll feel about that. I, I'll probably feel fine about it then. Now, we'll see. We'll figure it out. All right. All right, cool. Have a good night. Yes, everybody have a good night. Thanks for listening.